Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to OSW Daily, Open Source Workplace Daily, almost daily, live stream here uh, on YouTube, on Facebook, and wherever else you may be watching. So what is OSW Daily? We bring you the key topics that people are talking about today, basically headlines, articles that uh, are making uh, us think, and today curious um, about what's actually going to be the future of work. So it's all things related to work, workplace, employee experience, workplace productivity. Uh, I'm here with my co-host, Mike Petresky, who is the also the host of the Workplace Innovator podcast. And I'm Steve, Steve Todd, founder of Open Source Workplace. Mike, well done. Hello and welcome. How is your Monday? How was your weekend? <laughs> Well done. That's the best <laughs> intro you've ever done because I didn't interrupt you that time. Well, that there's, there's, there's many things. Thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate well it. Well done. Well done. Appreciate it. My weekend was great. I enjoyed it a lot. I am, you know, a little grumpy this morning. I know. It's a Monday. I got a bad case of the Mondays. Mm. And uh, I don't know. It's just going to be uh, another one of those weeks. But, you know, we're going to grind it out. We're going to stay optimistic. And hopefully you're going to inspire me to get going. So let's check in with my status my mental status at the end of this half hour together, all right all right always good. always on the rise always good 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 how no. was your weekend my good. weekend was great yeah yeah it was really good i had friday off so um nice. i uh, spent some time did a little bit of exercise additional exercise um even though friday was not that good weather wise uh here in new york um i uh, really enjoyed enjoyed the weekend actually and what i found really interesting was uh on sunday without really realizing it i i did a lot of, a bunch of work um, and it was one of those ones where I, obviously my brain must have felt very fresh from the couple of days off, a little bit of exercise. And uh, yeah, I, I, I sort of thought, let, let, let me just check on one thing. Wow. And then two hours later, I'm like, boom, in, in the middle of stuff. So uh, it was good. It was good. You got into the groove. I well, did. I was I not did. working yesterday. I was lying on a sofa watching baseball. MLB uh, is back. There As you of go. The last time we talked, uh, we hadn't right. talked yet. It was Thursday night. It was opening night. Max Scherzer took the mound. Here he is. Max did so good, but then didn't do so good. The Yankees beat us uh, uh, two out of three this weekend, Steve. I don't know if you saw any of the uh, I did not. debut of Major League Baseball. I did not. I did not. But, but I, have to, I have to confess, like if I ever need a good nap, I, I put it on, you know. Um, <laughs> Baseball is the sport for you. <laughs> exactly. So I wanted to share with you real quickly. I know go you, on, been, go you've on. been watching your football, soccer, yeah. your European football, and you mentioned to me, you know, for the last month or two when they've been doing this, they pipe in the crowd noise to kind of simulate mm -hmm. the experience. Yeah. They did a great job. And it's different depending on the network you watch. I watched ESPN. I watched MLB on Fox. And I watched my local uh, Masson, you know, Mid-Atlantic Sports Network, over the weekend. And each did it a little differently. And uh, some are better than others. I think Fox has it down. The Fox Sports team was was piping in the sound effects and, and making it sound like there were really fans there. And it was really interesting to it's watch. Good. I mean, does it... Have they done a good job with the soccer? They have, they have. And what they've done over time, I think, is try to adjust the sound level of the, of the noise, the fans. Because yeah. what people ideally want is there's benefits of not having the fans' noise there because you hear the players on the pitch a lot clearer, right? You hear instructions coming from the bench. You hear that. You hear the cheers, all the rest of it. When they pipe in a lot of um, uh, sound from, like, from fans or whatever, that gets uh, muted a little bit. So the lowered that and increased the volume of those the players and they've actually kind of at the end they got it perfect where you could yeah. hear both and feel both it was it was pretty good it was pretty good it's it's nowhere near the same as obviously having fans there 
Um, right. But, but it uh, made me forget. It made me forget as I was looking at all those empty seats. It kind of it kind of distracts true. you. Yeah. But there is a, there is an art to it. There is an art to it. So we'll see if they could perfect that. But uh, yeah, maybe that's a future career path for. Some I mean, of, uh, I would have thought though in baseball though, as long as it's quiet, you've probably got the perfect sound stadium. You know, all you need is like you know people chewing on food or peanuts <laughs> cracking or you know. <laughs> It is cool to hear the the sound yeah. of the bat more and yeah, hear the, hear the yeah. players talking yeah. to each other. Yeah. But there's something eerie when you hear that PA announcer announce in the stadium with that echo with no, no absorption yeah, of sound. Yeah, it it yeah. really was creepy. So yeah. uh, that they they needed to fix and and they did a good job with it. So I, I was just glad to see live sports that meant yeah. something, even yeah. though it's a shortened season. All that it's. Something I wasn't excited it's, about, but yeah. now that it's back, I'm glad it is. It's uh, so. it's it's a great point, and I and I love I, I love that the, the soccer is back and uh, it gives something to watch. So yeah, I totally totally yeah. agree with you. All right, folks. So sorry we went on here for a little five or six minutes talking about sports, and that's not obviously what you're here to watch or are here to listen to. So our <laughs> apologies if uh, if you if you've jumped in and sort of jumped and bolted and already so uh, already tuned out. Yeah yeah yeah. That's okay. So uh, so if you've hung around. Please do give us a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, and help uh, YouTube's algorithms um, find us. And uh, if you find this beneficial, so what we're going to talk about today, we have a bunch of stuff. And I and one of the the main thing I want to talk about today, Mike, it's uh, you know, do you get bored? Yes. You when? Get, yeah. No. 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 So so this is this is a question. This is where this came to me. There was an article I was reading over the weekend. And it's called Five, Five Habits of Incredibly Curious People. Now, mm -hmm. curious people, I always ask the question when I'm interviewing people, be it you know, for a job or whether I'm sort of chatting through or getting to know people. I always, I, I always like to know what they're curious about because curious, curious people um, have fantastic attributes. And this article is talking about it. And the reason why I asked if you get bored, curiosity cures boredom. Because if mm -hmm. you're bored about something, there's always ways to navigate around that by th by curious, by digging more, learning more, um, and sort of uh, thinking through things. You know, I, I like to think deeply. I like to write down questions. I like to ponder what those questions are, and then go and try and search out results. And I just find this really, really curious. Now, obviously, the five habits they talk about, I've only put a few on the screen, but in essence, curious people ask better questions. They take calculated risks. In other words, they're going to evaluate by sure. asking all those different questions, getting all that information. They eliminate boredom, which is why I sort of set you up a little bit there. Uh, they're <laughs> lifelong learners. In other words, they always want to continue to develop, right? Learn new new things, learn new ways to do stuff, access, you know, open to meeting new people to bring up new ideas to them. And they're self-motivated, self-motivated. Yep. And that's why people always laugh at me when I ask you know, part of a an interview series is what what are people curious about? You know, my peers or colleagues may ask, why are you asking people this? Why are you asking people this? Because I think the more different types of people you bring to the team, and if you bring people who are self-motivated, who are lifelong learners, that do ask a lot of questions, um, then it only enhances the thing of the team, the sort of the, the, the strength of the team. Now, the big thing is when you ask those questions, there are those people who ask great questions, but then they don't take action on the answers they receive, they don't document the answers they receive, they don't allow those answers to sort of fermentate and sort of alter or adjust their mindset a little bit. Because I think we have to, we have to take all this information in and, and sort of, uh, um, yeah, just just think it through. I think and uh, let those let those opinions evolve. Because if we look at what everyone's going through today, right, 
opinions are coming left, right and center. Uh, the viewpoints are changing. Uh, and what we think the future will be will, will ever change as well. So I think uh, a curious mindset and understanding those habits, I think is a great thing. So my apologies if I set you up a little bit there, Mike. <laughs> no, no worries. No, but, but you said some great things there. The article was very interesting to me. And of course, they mentioned Einstein and Isaac yep. Newton and all yep. the great innovators and inventors, people who had curious minds. That was demonstrated through their creativity and their inventions and so forth. And what moves us forward as human beings is the ability to imagine things that we don't currently have. And that certainly is the case today. And these unknown times of the workplace during a pandemic, we have to be creative and open to those ideas. You mentioned all the different things that are potentially negative about, you know, curiosity. If you ask the questions and you don't listen, what about just not allowing people to express themselves or people not having a, a culture in which they feel free to express their opinions or even ask the questions? That's the concern I have, because I know that many of us, and this is I think something in the U.S. culture, especially, I'm curious, it was when you grew up in the U.K., did you feel free to ask a lot of questions in school or was it discouraged? Was it more a place where the information was fed to you, this is what you need to know, and then there was almost, even if it wasn't explicit, there was a feeling of, I don't want to ask a question because I don't want to stand out, I don't want to look stupid, I don't want to ask a dumb question, all those things are, are more of our natural default setting as people because we, we don't want to stand out in many ways. So those that are willing to put those feelings aside, be comfortable being uncomfortable, offer some you know, questions or, or opinions that are outside the status quo, those are the ones that make progress. But I think many, many of us, it, it's a fight to do that. It's against our better nature to do that. And I think we should encourage that in especially today's mm. environment. Thank you for sharing that, Mike, because it's really important and it's, it's a really good distinction. And, um, you know, whenever you said that, I've sort of went back to how I, my behaviors in a sense of, you know, I'm not that person in a room of 15, 20 people who will ask questions. I'm not that person. I, I am the person who sits there quiet, who listens, uh, ponders. Mm. Um, okay. One-on-one situations are, you know, in groups of three or four small little groups with people I know and trust or one-on-one with people who I'm getting to know, I will ask questions and I will answer any question that's given to me. So um, I think it's an important distinction and clarification that you did mention. Yeah, I I don't, I'm not that person that in, in a large room will be the big talker or ask a lot of questions unless it's, it's, I'm, holding the meeting and it's my meeting that's that's obviously a different i take on a different yeah. role but um you feel the responsibility and right, when you're here right. obviously you're doing of these course, type of interviews of course. we're forced to do it or if you, if you have a guest on but think about those zoom meetings with 12 20 30 yeah. people where uh, the host of the meeting will ask a question or put out a topic for a conversation and it's crickets it's yeah. like, like there's 30 people here what somebody's got an idea somebody yeah. wants to say something but i think there's something about, you know, our human nature that t- keeps us from doing it, um, and it takes some thoughtfulness to to bring that out of people or, or yeah. to get us past those hurdles and and therefore create a, a environment in which we have this opportunity to really free, be free to share our ideas, be free to be yeah. wrong. I think that's the thing. Just say, hey, there's no wrong answer here. There's no bad question here. Let's let's give people the the freedom to 
put themselves out there and, and not that's that psychological safety idea, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. No, no, it is. And it's, you also mentioned another great thing that actually what took me back to something that uh, our good friend Dusty Diestemars actually, uh, he's, he told me and he, he noted mm-hmm. um, a couple of years ago to me. He says, you know, there's a lot of really smart people. There's a lot of really senior folks who really want to ask questions but they fear that in asking the questions, they may look um, vulnerable or they may not look as intelligent as what they probably are. So in other words, in an environment, you used to take the example where if someone's in a Zoom call webinar, they ask a question, their name's gonna pop up. I know you, if you knew me, you would say, oh, Steve just asked this question because you, you know yeah. it, but at the same time, <laughs> I may be like, well, I don't wanna, I don't wanna answer the question because then the perception of the audience may be, I'm surprised he's asking that question. Why doesn't he know the answer to that, right? So there's a sure. lot of fear in that, and uh, but it's 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 a very clear, a very good thing, and I'm glad you you raised it there, Mike. I love Dusty. I'm glad yeah. you brought him up. He was on my podcast a couple times. He's been on my live stream. He he's done. A, I've done a webinar with him. I did a webinar with Dusty where he pulled out his guitar. <laughs> I started playing a song with uh, unique lyrics that he wrote. The guy's very talented oh, beyond his workplace yeah, he is. expertise. He uh, is. Great guest, great guy, and uh, always good to hear that name, Dusty Deister Mars. Um, Brilliant, him. Brilliant, him. And and the idea we could go on with this, but but I love the idea of creating an environment, a place where where that exchange, where that open exchange can take place, yeah. and yeah. people feel free to. You know, ask even silly questions. I've done it. I've asked questions where later on I'm like, that was a dumb question, Mike. If you had just been listening to what was said yeah. ten minutes before or five minutes before, you would have known the answer. But it's okay. I think I think that's the thing. Being being vulnerable. You mentioned the word vulnerable is something that I find is incredibly comforting, especially today when when you have these interactions and everybody's got their their fears and their worries. If a leader is someone who's willing to put themselves out there, say, I don't know all the answers. I can't give you the future. We can't predict the future. No one can, but we can work together and, and keep that, you know, that vision of optimism and the path we're headed down, map it out for everybody, and then adjust along the way, and we're going to get through this together. That type of leadership is what we're really desperate for. No, it is. And sort of, th- I guess the key thing that uh, I think we want to take away from this, Mike, is, you know, if we'll be hear that voice in the back of our head going, I'm bored, I'm bored, we'll just use that as a trigger to go, well, what am I curious about? What do I want to learn? And what can I then go and, you know, be a, pick up a book, pick up a video, whatever it is to sort of get ourselves away from that boredom. Because in these times with everything that's going on in, in the industry that we love and the organizations that we care about, there are so much things that we can do right now to actually eliminate any level of boredom. <laughs> I guess is, is kind of where I absolutely where I yeah, and, and I and I hate to give the last word on your last <laughs> word, but it's something I can't help myself. We we both want to share these great ideas, but this this thought of um, boredom kind of would indicate to me that someone is being passive, being you know, waiting, waiting for someone to give them direction. And, and that's something we can't do. We need to be proactive. We need mm-hmm. to take a risk. And if you find yourself bored, waiting for a instruction, waiting for your manager or your boss or your leadership team to tell you what's next, then, then take that as a wake up call, a warning sign, then say, what can I do proactively? Take a risk, as you said, 
come up with something creative, throw it, throw an idea out there, just kind of put it into the, into the mix and, and hopefully people will respond to it. And, and you, you'd be the one to get that ball rolling. That's my suggestion. It's, it's great. And I want to respond to you, but I'm going to move on because we could be, we could be, <laughs> we could be going here for a long time because there's so much to say, but please do go take a look at the article. It, it's, it's fantastic. Um, so, so Mike, the next thing we want to talk about is, uh, AI and how AI is going to be a benefit to so many people and in many ways and i came across this yesterday and this is this is what i was talking about earlier about one of these things where you read and you go into this spiral and all of a sudden you don't realize that you're shooting emails and you're actually reading and digging more um and and this is one that sort of got me going because i i, I believe in time ai is going to allow um employers to better recruit develop and retain talent i also believe though that those people who are looking for jobs ai is going to help them choose better companies and managers to work for and i find this article fascinating in a sense that they're using ai to come up with a sediment but also through the words people use to in response to a chatbot question it's going to be able to tell employers whether an individual is going to be a job hopper or not. Now, a job hopper, as we think about with the millennials and we think about that workforce coming through, right, they, in all indications, show that that population is going to jump from job to job to job because their whole mentality is I've got to learn as much as I can, as fast as I can. The more I know, the more I understand, and the more valuable I'm going to be later in my career. So they do. They want to do a lot of job hopping, and they have no issues taking a job. But in six months, if the job isn't living up to their expectations, or their organization isn't living up to their values, or the manager isn't, they don't think the manager is going to be invested in them and developing their career. They're happy to jump. So I find it really interesting that uh, this is an AI bot that is able to do this. Um, and on the back of this, I did reach out to the CEO of the company um, and I'm tr I've started a dialogue and I'm hoping to sort of uh, get them involved in open source workplace in the future. Because I think we have to be bringing so many different things to the table and we think about open source workplace, what it is there to do. This is not just real estate. Workplace is HR, it's future technologies, it's technology, it is corporate real estate, it's just everything. So oh, sure. I got fascinated with this and I don't know what your view is on you know, AI helping organizations identify people who are going to be job hopping. Um, and it's, I, I, I do have thoughts, but I sort of want to take a, take a moment and let you uh, give you some, let you give some feedback. Well, I get concerned when I read some of these articles. I, I'm all for technology. I'm all for AI. I want to leverage that tool to help us make better decisions, you know, faster decisions based on more data, things that human beings can't do on their own. I'm all in favor of that type of technology, but the way this article talked a lot about employers using AI through the interview process to kind of pre-screen candidates in a way, and maybe I misread this, but the, the takeaway for me at least potentially was you could, you could screen out people who might be troublemakers, might be those job hoppers you want to avoid, or might be someone who's in favor of unionizing, I think was one of the examples that I read. And, and I wonder if that is using the tool for the wrong purpose. I think there's definitely value 
in getting a sense of a person, make sure it's a good match, make sure they're they're aligned philosophically, can bring them along with the mission. But if your culture is one where you're just like trying to get people who are less potentially going to want to hop jobs or, or someone who is going to be passive and and just not assertive and not willing to disrupt the status quo, you're going to have a pretty boring company to get back to our last conversation. So I don't know. The, the, the danger to me was that the AI could be used as kind of a suppression type of thing to eliminate people in a sense that that's always a bad thing. Again, if, if you're trying to match people with the right opportunity, the right culture, let's let's use it for that good. But uh, if you're trying to just suppress people who are assertive and, and maybe want to learn and you're not prepared as an employer to give them the career path they need, uh, maybe that's something that you need to evaluate as an organization. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, and it's, it's a good point. And I think one of the things that um, they identified was, was an outcome was the ability to eliminate bias. So if you are an employee, you know, you're, you're a hiring manager and, you know, there was you wanted a change, you want to create a more diverse background or more diverse organization then you know this this could help you do that too um so yeah. it was it was it was one of the potential outcomes and i sort of i sort of read this as this is the first step i think in a in a way where probably this organization can use ai to to really help help organizations and i almost think i don't know what the five questions are but you think about what we just talked about before just imagine if one of those questions is what are you curious about Right. In, in simply stating what you're curious about, what your mindset is, the organization is going to be able to uh, find a lot. And then if, if, you know, I suspect that the AI bot is going to be able to determine the key words, the key triggers that are actually going to show you your resiliency, your mindset, your openness to change, your creativity, whatever that is. And yeah. I think there are many, many outcomes. And, and to be honest, if if we think that as an individual you're applying for that and you therefore don't get through that screening process, well, you have to think of it as a benefit to you because the AI, the whole point I think of this AI is to to find a more suitable candidate for the company's objectives. And if you don't fit that, then I think there's, while you may get turned on, that's maybe a benefit to you in the long term where if you right. are successful, then it's it's obviously a huge benefit to you because your values are aligned with, with that hiring company. Like any tool, it's a neutral technology. Yep. It could be good, used for good or used for ill. And I am all on board with yeah, using new yeah. technology tools yeah. in a positive way. Yeah. So that's great. Cool, cool. All right, so th this one is, uh, is, this is really interesting. Um, and, you know, we've... Is, we, we've talked about in the past, Mike, but, you know, we don't know what the future looks like. We don't know what the future of work looks like. We don't know what the workplace of the future or how offices will be. And I find this interesting. We've looked at a few indicators um, that we've, we've spoke about that actually there are underlying factors we can look for, even though we don't know what the answer is to what the future of work is, what the future of workplace is. We've talked in the past about how people are migrating and leaving big cities. This is a piece of information that came out regarding the net absorption rate of office space in New York City. And it's down yeah. 5 million square feet. So what does that mean? That means space that is occupied through Q2 2020 
dropped 5 million square feet. So that means people are occupying less square footage. Now, what does that tell us in a number of things? One, organizations or people are not leasing space. They're reducing their square footage. They're delaying decisions. Um, and there's also obviously more pipeline of space coming on. So we think about the additional space that's coming on in you know, Hudson Yards, down at World Trade Center, and other new buildings that are gone up. Um, so this tells us as well that a lot of organizations are reluctant to take the risk of what that workplace is going to be, especially in New York City. I don't know what it's saying about other cities because I, I haven't got or really dug into that information. But this, this article is looking, okay, so if, if that's the case, and organizations are taking less square footage, how then can property owners provide services to future tenants? How can they make themselves more appealing? And what are the strategies that they can use? And the article goes on to explain that one's potential strategy is to look at flexible space. So as a property owner, can you create flexible space within your building to make yourself more appealing to future tenants. So organizations are reluctant to take on huge leases for large periods of time. So therefore, do you take that space that you were going to offer to one tenant, do you create flexible space for that, sp for that uh, office space, and then lease it on a bid on a daily or a shorter period to a number of tenants in the form of flexible space. Now, it's something that I heard a while back from Andrew Siegel of Boxer Property in one of the interviews I did for Open Source Workplace. This was something that he said that he saw an opportunity in and him through his Stemmons Technology, the company he uh, helped co-found, um, they do that within Boxer Property. And that's a strategy that he's been evolving and developing over time. And uh, I think it's a really interesting perspective and a really interesting um, opportunity for for property owners yeah wow this one's over my head steve and your <laughs> expertise and as a real estate leader and andrews and others that you talk to uh those are the ones that we need to lean on for this because this is a tough time all i'll say is i don't envy those in positions of decision making around real estate decisions because so many are often long-term decisions that have long-term consequences and you're working with limited information, limited data, you know, people just really, we just don't know. We don't know what the future holds. And that was my takeaway here is that, boy, there are as many scenarios as you can map out. You know, do we need more space to be able to de-densify or do we yeah. need less space because more people will be working away from the, uh, the physical office? It's tough. It is tough. and and. You know, we can't predict the future. I know there's there's people who have ideas and these models are beginning to come together based on, you know, the, the Q2 data and so forth. But I just don't envy those in a position to making a decision for their corporation or if they're in the business of real estate. Other than, again, just to tie it to what we talked about earlier, we have to be creative. We have to be innovative, ask a lot of questions, be curious, try to anticipate and be flexible. That's the key. Be flexible and if flexibility literally means creating more flexible you know, spaces available to different organizations, that may be the solution because because we may need to change. We need to make, we may need to adjust on a dime this fall when the second wave of covid hits. We may need to, you know, adjust next year and in the coming years. It's, it's going to be a, a very, very interesting time. It is. It is absolutely. And I think the sort of thing that we're 
if we had to put a theme on a number of the topics we've we've uh, talked about recently is you know and i think of it sort of said is the only certain thing is uncertainty right we don't know what the future right. is we don't know what it is so we have to do all we can at the moment to really um allow ourselves to uh, to prepare for that future and flexibility is certainly one of the key things that we need to do so I wanted to touch, talk on something. So this is a, a new technology that I came across, and um, it's it's specifically been developed for cars, and it is uh, a touchscreen that you don't have to touch. It's sort of this, yeah. It sort of <laughs> is predictive in a sense of you know it's going to learn how you interact with a screen. You don't have to touch it. Um, and I, I, when I read this first, I was like, huh? I says, it's hard right. enough to touch a screen when you're driving and get it right. Never mind not touch a screen, but try to get it right. But then yeah. it's basically what it's saying. It's going to learn what you do, your typical habits. And then from there, they think they can get to a point where at the moment it's up 50% on your interaction time with it. Um, and... It's going to help. It's going to help people who are driving. No, we're talking about workplace. Why does this matter? Well, in essence, if we're able to get to a place where we have a technology that is able to be a touchscreen that you don't have to touch, you think about all the work surfaces. You think about, you know, you, you, your company iOffice is this body, you know, a Teams platform that basically creates, you know. Uh, conference room and the little screens and if they're able to take that technology and you're able to create a pad that you don't have to touch and but it gives everyone the ability to a visual representation of an office um, and you're able to book stuff without touching it I think that's a really useful application of a technology like this you think about oh, yeah. as as you think about kiosks as we come into buildings right in the future, okay, you don't want to touch the actual surface, but if you're able to check in, you're able to go find a, you know, a desk and hot desk, and you can see so many applications on a visual screen that is a touch screen, but you don't have to touch. And you can see that plan a lot into the real estate workplace industry. Totally. And that's the philosophical point there is one that is certainly a value. The, the less we have to touch common surfaces, the better, especially now that we're hyper aware of germs and we're trying to keep ourselves safe. The idea that that's something that we've embraced at iOffice, we want to use people's personal devices to interact with their workplace as much as possible because at least their personal device, although our phones are filthy and disgusting yeah, based yeah, on our yeah, touching it, yeah, yeah. at least we're the only ones touching it or should be the only ones touching it at yeah, that point. Yeah. But this these common interfaces are something that I can see this new technology being very valuable for and it looks a little clunky right now as far as right. the Jaguar commercial. But, you know, I can see it getting to the point where we're into this future. Like, was it uh, Tom Cruise in that sci-fi movie, Minority, Minority Report, Report? Yeah. Where all the visuals are up on the screen and he's waving his hands and he's kind of touching and flinging things. That's the that's the thing we're looking at here, right? If we can get to a point where where technology allows that level of sensitivity and we can figure out as humans how to use it, which I'm sure the, the next generation What's after Gen Z? We're going to go back to Gen A. The, the, new, <laughs> a, a. the new generation will be so used to these kind of gestures and stuff, it'll be really easy for yeah. them. But it's pretty yeah. cool yeah. to see uh, a world in which we don't need to touch so much. And certainly in today's hyper-aware pandemic life, it would be something we'd all find value in. 
It is, it is. So, so there we go, Mike. You know, we went through these four articles, you know, and uh, you know, you you were laboring this morning as we started. Are you still laboring? Oh, yeah. Are you still laboring Already at the end? Already out of my mind. There no, you go, I'm man. Off to there a you go. Start now, Steve. There you go. You did it again. There my you friend. go. Thank you so much. No, no, no. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm here for Got you, lots Mike. Lots of flair you know. on. I went. I started as far as the office space references go. I started with a case of the Mondays. Now I'm wearing extra flair on my vest. Do you know that reference? <laughs> I I'll don't. tell you about it later. Okay, I look forward to extra flair. There you go. I just think flair. flair. I just think of flary trousers. That's that's what I think about, man. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks all for right. putting it together. Thanks for Great joining, time. everybody. Thank you for everybody for taking the time. And if you made it all the way through, well done. Um, I'm glad you're very curious, and I'm glad you've uh, you've stuck with this. And so give us a thumbs up and uh, subscribe to the channel. Have a great day. Take care.